all. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and I've got a fantastic guest for you today. But real quick, before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487. Your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now to my guest. Well, I'm all about highlighting new restaurants and and pop-ups and food trucks and and fun things that are new and coming to the food scene there's always there's also something that's just fascinating about learning about some of Omaha's most established and well-known restaurants as well and uncovering what's allowed them to thrive for so long and that's why I'm so excited to bring in my guest today this is Tony Vacanti he is the grandson of the original owners of La Casa Pizzeria and now He's stepped into a leadership mantle himself. He is the general manager of the West locations of La Casa. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's, uh, I'd like to say, a uh, fan, longtime listener, first time, uh, I guess, <laughs> first time uh, podcaster. <laughs> so looking forward to this. Yeah, that makes two of us. So, uh, so the first thing I want to dig into here is obviously La Casa is an Omaha institution. The first location opened in 1953 down on Leavenworth Street, so we're coming up on 70 years in business. Now La Casa has three locations. There's a food truck. It has remained, despite how many Italian and pizza restaurants have popped up during that time, La Casa has remained really top of mind as far as you know the, the Omaha food scene. In your mind, what is it that has allowed La Casa to thrive over literally generations? Yeah, I think the what we have going for us is that we're an extremely unique product. Um, I think it goes down to the basic ingredients. Um, you know, when you use a sharp cheese like Romano, uh, and I think, you know, for some people it's, it's surprising the first time you have it, but uh, once you you know, give it a full try. And I think you try it in a variety of capacities, whether that's on the pizza just alone, or you mix it with our mozzarella, or you get mozzarella and then you add the Romano on top. I mean, it's the unique flavors that we've been able to consistently produce. And I mean, we've been using the same cheese literally since day one. And I don't think many restaurants can say they've been sourcing a product for 70 years. And, I mean, that goes not just to the cheese, but to our beef, which is a prime beef, to the way we do our dough, the flour we source, to the tomatoes we source. Um, I think that's the biggest reason why we're able to thrive is consistency and the high quality of products that we get. I mean, we do not skimp on anything. And we're a 95% scratch kitchen, and I don't think most pizzerias do are doing that today. I mean, even with the big push, uh, I mean, literally down to cutting vegetables, literally to taking wheels of cheese and breaking those down and grinding those, grinding our tomatoes. So I think that secret sauce for 70 years and just doing it consistently over time um, keeps us relevant. And our customers do. People keep coming back and seeing us. And I think that goes also to how we treat people, uh, their family when they walk in the door. I mean, La Casa means house. And I always tell people, think about you're coming over to your friend's house. And that's our goal is to treat you that way. And for you to have a meal that's more comforting and something that's nostalgic or something new, uh, we want to treat you like you'd, you've been coming here for years. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of really interesting things you said there that I want to dive into. But the first is like when I ask that question, the first thing that comes to your mind is Romano cheese, which is just fascinating to me. What is it about the Romano that sticks out so much? You know, Romano, it's interesting because uh, when you look at the landscape of pizza, Romano is not going to even be in the top 
probably 100 of toppings that go on pizzas. Um, so it is unique. You know, it's something that goes back to the origins of our restaurant and our family immigrates from Sicily and it's a cheese. It's a hard cheese. It's an aged cheese and it allows for a long shelf life. And so that's why it was used in that part of the world predominantly. And as my family immigrated here, that's just something that, you know, is very unique and very homey to them that they you know, obviously wanted to use when they introduced pizza. So, uh, like all Italian food, and I think this is where people are kind of maybe don't understand Italian culture. And when I say this, this might strike people as a little odd, but uh, the way we cook in our restaurant is very true to Italian culture. Italian cooking is very much about taking food uh, that is local or from your region and then using that. And so when you look at our Romano cheese, that's the one thing we brought, but we integrated that into the Midwest. So what was king 70 years ago? What's pretty much king today still in, in this state? It's beef. And so it's taking something that is very much uh, a cheese from the region that we immigrated it and then introducing it to the products that are local uh, in this market. And that would have been the hamburger. So Romano is just uh, part of our culture, part of our history. And uh, it's a really, really high quality cheese that we get to. Um, you know, I often tell people, they're like, you know, this, you know, it's so different. And I'm like, well, yeah, we do source it and we do get it in wheels. We do break it down. And I mean, we pay an exceptional amount of money for our cheese, <laughs> which sometimes handcuffs us in this industry, especially now when I think a lot of people can pivot and use other cheeses. We still pull from the same purveyors that we have for years and we're tied to that. And, you know, that's kind of the beauty of it is that, um, it is unique it is La Casa. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, going back to the beginning, a big reason why all of the Italian restaurants in Omaha actually are, were able to start serving Romano was that when we started, we start pulling in massive quantities of Romano, which allowed the price point for other restaurants in, in Omaha back in the 50s and 60s to be able to use, you know, a product that traditionally would not have been in this market. So you go to any of the old steakhouses that serve pasta in Omaha, you're going to have Romano as an option a lot of times. Or you were, you know, years ago, that was predominantly the option. It's kind of evolved into maybe a little more Parmesan today. But, you know, for a lot of the restaurants in Omaha, and this goes back to once again, all the Italians worked together. There were many Italians that worked at our restaurant when it started. The Caniglia family, uh, there's a lot of them out there, but they're, you know, <laughs> they were part of uh, when we originally opened the restaurant. And those other restaurants were able to pull, you know, resources together so they were able to source product more effectively. Mm -hmm. Now, you said something there that it, it reminded me of something that we talked about in our first conversation and that. Italian cooking, like people think of it so much as pasta and lasagna and, and maybe even, you know, going to the wood-fired oven. But what you told me, and it, and it stuck with me since then, is that Italian cooking is taking what's local and finding the way to use that most effectively. And that is why the hamburger pizza has become like a staple at La Casa, or at least one of the reasons, you know, hamburger isn't necessarily a traditional pizza product you know if you go to new york or or detroit or you know other places that are famous for pizza you're not going to find a lot of hamburger pizza but beef is such an important part of midwestern culture and midwestern cuisine that it became a staple on the casa's menu and has become arguably what you guys are most known for what, what do you think it is about that pizza that has allowed it to rise and become like the flag bearer for the restaurant somehow yeah, I think it goes back to, once again, the simplicity of ingredients and the sourcing of ingredients. And, and I, I think there's so much of that has become very popular in the last 10 to 15 years. The funny part is we've always been very conscious of that. We've always been kind of that restaurant, very conscious of where uh, our cheese is coming from, the type of beef that we're using. And now that it's cool, it's like, we're cool. Um, <laughs> or maybe we've always been cool, but, you know. You guys we're, were in before it was cool. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, you know, goes back to the quality. Once again, um, you have a lot of options as a restaurateur to go out and buy different products. Um, many restaurants, especially in the time today, are looking ways to cut costs and they're looking at cheaper products. Um, once again, we go back to the fact that we want a specific blend of beef. 
We want that beef to perform a certain way. Uh, we want that beef to work extremely well with our cheeses, and it's buying that quality product. And so for years, I think it's not only just the fact that we're, I think people are comfortable with hamburger or comfortable with beef, and it's a, a staple in the Midwest. I think it also goes back to the fact that it's a very high-quality beef that we source. And uh, when you when you combine that with a high-quality cheese, you combine that with very high-quality tomatoes, uh, all, once, once again, we take this and we, we make this in-house. Uh, we grind that cheese, we grind our tomatoes, and then you have our, our dough, which, um, you know, I think arguably you could say the hamburger or our dough would be our signature. And then you marry those three together um, – as my father would always say, it's how everything comes together on the pizza. So I think it's the sourcing, and I think it's that combination, not just the beef, but the cheese, the tomatoes, and the dough um, that really make our hamburger pizza what it is. And, um, yeah, so I think it just goes back to it just works when it's all put together. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, the hamburger pizza is fantastic, but it is a very small part of the menu that you guys have. In addition to all the other pizzas you have, you have pastas, you have... The double crust pizzas, you have lasagna, you have sandwiches. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And yet, even in my mind, anytime I hear La Casa, that little light bulb goes off my head. The first thing that I think about is hamburger pizza. I don't know why that is even, but it just happened. Like, why do you think that is? Why do you think the hamburger pizza has resonated so heavily that it's kind of become like the just the standard bearer for whatever reason? I think it goes back to history. I mean, first off, I mean that pizza, the ability to source a variety of toppings, you know, 70 years ago is different than today. So, and I think the um, evolution of the pizza industry has lent itself to like more toppings equals better pizza. Um, But, um, you know, I think the hamburger pizza is, is always been a staple because it was the first of its kind. And really, I think it's, that's kind of the first, besides just the cheese pizza, which we call La Rosa, um, you know, that was kind of the other pizza that people were introduced to. So you had just the Romano cheese with our fresh crushed tomatoes. And then, you know, you could add hamburger to that. So those were kind of the two that were there in the beginning. And then, you know, we branched out over time. It's not that pepperoni wasn't available, but I mean, these were things that were kind of added to the menu. And I mean, even back then we, we had steaks, we had chicken, we had just like all the other um, Italian steakhouses. So I think it was that evolution too, as you went through the sixties and the seventies, my father was very um, smart along with his cousins to say, okay, um, there's a lot of Italian steakhouses. We sell steak, we sell pizza. We sell a lot more pizza than steak. Let's actually focus on on the pizza side and you know not only being probably the first pizzeria in nebraska we probably were the first place serving pizza to recognize that you didn't need to serve the steak you didn't need to serve the fried chicken you didn't need to be like everyone else and we've been always very comfortable being who we are so that was the other piece that allowed us to start transitioning more into a pizzeria rather than you know you had the greats like coniglias and cashews we let them kind of do that piece and we were like, you know what? We know what we're doing in the pizza side. Let's kind of focus on that. But um, there are so many other things on the menu too. And, I, and I lo- I'm glad that you asked that because, you know, I would say it's funny. Customers come in and depending on what location you're working at, whether it's our Leavenworth store or Grover store on 82nd and Grover or our uh, new store on 168th, um, there is a there's a big contingency of people that just go at I mean that's their thing a hamburger pizza, um, but I would say it's been evolving over time and our menu really does have some great other things and I think also the media which has been amazing for us to survive as long as we have and they've been great to us, but when you read the World Herald or you read um, the Reader or you read some of these other periodicals or other. Um, even, you know, whether it would be radio spots or even TV spots, it's always, we're asked about the hamburger pizza. So it's like, as much as it's a great product for us, I think people gravitate towards that. And there are so many other things on our menu that if you're not into hamburger pizza, you should come out and try it because not only do we source our hamburger great and and our cheese, but all the other toppings we do, we make our sausage in house, we cut our vegetables, um, you know, we make our meatballs. Uh, we are making all of our sauces. So there are a lot of other options out there. And I think sometimes they get overshadowed because it is the hamburger pizza is popular mm-hmm. and it's great, 
But uh, like we discussed uh, before, it's like there are so many other great options on our menu, especially if you don't like hamburger. You know, you come in and you ask any one of our managers, and most of our managers have, have worked at La Casa. We're not talking just five or six years. We're talking dozens of years. And we have, you know, and I think that's the other thing about our product, too, that helps to keep it so consistent is that um, our team that works there is incredible at what they do. They care for the product. They make the product every day. Not only are they making the product in the kitchen, but then they're the ones at night that are serving our customers and making sure our patrons get exactly what they got, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago still today. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned media coverage there. I I know that you're obviously not unappreciative of any time La Casa gets a mention, even if it is focusing on the hamburger pizza. But does it get frustrating sometimes? Not that you're upset that hamburger pizza is being highlighted because you're very you're very proud of the product and you should be, but is there a party that's just like, yeah, that's great, but we've got so much other good stuff too. Like let's shine a spotlight on some of this as well. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the exciting part of doing this show. And, you know, Oh, uh, we're going to touch on some new stuff here today, Tony. Don't worry about that. And I appreciate that. And I think, you know, opening our restaurant 168th and being able to have not only we have a lot of people that have been coming to see us for years in that part of the city. You know, they started maybe they grew up down in South Omaha or on the east side of town. You know, maybe they moved out to District 66 or the central part of town. Now they find themselves out, you know, further west. Um, and so there are a lot of people that know our product. But the interesting part about being uh, the new kid on the block in West Omaha is that we're able to introduce some of these new products on our menu that have been on our menu for years, and people come in and read the menu because. Frankly, when you go to La Casa on Leavenworth or you go to La Casa on 82nd and Grover, I would say with high with a high degree of confidence that like 90% of the people don't use a menu. Maybe <laughs> they know even, what they want. Yeah, they know what they want. They walk in, they get it. And I mean, you can just see the look on their face. And you know when the people when people have not been there, they kind of look a little confused and you know exactly what to you know, ask them. But um, yeah, there's. is it frustrating to get back to your question? Um, like you said, we're always appreciative and the media in Omaha has, you know, helped our business for many years and hopefully we've served them well. Um, we tend to bring pizza when we talk to those, uh, to the media. So they always, they always enjoy that, but yeah, it is a little frustrating at times. Uh, even though that product or hamburger pizza is great, there are so many other things. And I think that this is an opportunity right now for people to get back out and maybe revisit our product. And I think you, you, the one thing that has been frustrating for me is to listen to these sometimes these comments or people uh, within the food scene say either you love or hate La Casa, and uh, I, I you're only giving someone one or two op- you're giving people two options you're, you're you're saying either you're going to go like this product or you're not going to like this product and so when someone walks in the door and they've read this or they've heard this on a you know on whether it's um, some social media or whether it's on an interview or something when they're doing a, a pizza challenge and you get these comments of love it or hate la casa i just don't it's just not true you don't love or hate you know peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you don't love or hate a steak uh, and i think steak may be a good good place to kind of draw some comparisons well if the steak's cooked wrong or it's not cooked how you want it it may not be exactly what you want you want a medium rare steak and you get a well done steak, you're not going to like that. It's kind of like with our pizza. If you come in and think, you know, the only thing you're going to get is a hamburger pizza and you don't like hamburger. Well, we're, we're not in a really good position at that time to change your mind, but we do so many other great things. So yeah, I do think, you know, that's been a struggle over time is this, you know, and I think it's really evolved with social media. I think it's evolved with you know, the food network scene that popped up 15 years ago, everyone decided, you know, they were going to have these very strong takes on, on restaurants and food and review things. And the love it or hate it comments, um, I just don't think are true or fair to the product. And, uh, if you come in, just, you ask anyone at the counter and they're going to guide you to something that I almost guarantee you that you're going to like. And I guarantee you that you're going to be thinking about it a few days later. And then I guarantee you that you will be back to, you know, to, to try something else on the menu because, Going back to Italian cooking, we use really good products. We don't do a lot to it, and we let it do its thing. I, I think the whole love it or hate it discussion is just it, it. It just boggles my mind. Like I don't understand how we can talk about a restaurant 
especially a restaurant that has a lot of different menu options in such absolutes where there's just no middle ground. It's just you're going to absolutely think this is the best or you're never going to want to come back here. That's ridiculous to me. Like, obviously, probably 95% of the people that come in your restaurant, it's not their favorite restaurant, but they still really like coming there because it's good food. And then there are some people, yes, who think it absolutely is the best and they love it and they'll come back four times a week and there are some people who they'll say you know what this isn't for me but I won't come back but those are like very extreme highs and lows most people are going to fall in the middle where they do enjoy it and say you know what yeah I maybe I won't be back tomorrow but I will be back I just I don't understand the love it or hate it thing it just makes no sense to me yeah I agree and I think it's once again goes back to kind of social media and like you see people very very much Behind the guise of a computer, um, you feel pretty confident in what you're about to say about something, and you're pretty definitive about it. And we have so many great people that love our product that, you know, you see Lacoste come up on any feed. Get ready. I mean, there's going to be lots of comments, and, you know, I take it with a grain of salt because 80 to 90% of them are customers that have been, you know, for years or people that have found our product that love it. But then you do have that, you know, that contingency that's just like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it is our cheese too. And I think so many people are accustomed to eating a mozzarella product or something that they believe is mozzarella. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. It's a cheese blend or it's something that's, you know, maybe not the highest quality or you've grown up on, you know, maybe a Pizza Hut or a Domino's. And there's nothing wrong with those products. You know, even a Little Caesars. I mean, I've, I eat all three of those. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but, you know, or I've had them from time to time. And I think when you start defining what pizza is or people in their mind define what pizza is based off of their preferences, I think that's when people are like, no, I hate that or I don't like that, where it's like, this is what I always tell people, and I think this is the best way I can explain it, is if you're really into food and you like different flavors, you like high-quality food, you're going to like our pizza. If you come on thinking it's going to be a specific style, like a pub style, um, you know, Omaha has a lot of pub-style pizzas that, you know, people gravitate towards. Or if you think it's going to be like a chain-style pizza where, you know, you have that really, what we would consider a lot of cheese layers of cheese and layers of toppings that, you know, have been manufactured on a large scale and, you know, used with a more of a paste style sauce and more of a, you know, doughy or conventional dough. Um, I mean, that's just not us. But if you are into, you know, high quality cheese, you know, well-sourced products and you don't put our pizza in that category of it has to look or taste or be a certain way, I think you're really going to like our product. And I think, you know, if you decide to become more adventurous and not just say, I'm not going to just try the hamburger. I'm going to try, you know, uh, your margarita. I'm going to try, uh, we do a, a La Casa Nostra, which is a great pizza that has some spice to it. It has our house-made sausage, fresh prosciutto. Um, we use um, a variety of cheese on that pizza too, and that goes with our crushed tomato sauce. I think if you try some of those things or more adventurous and build your own and don't think it has to be that pub style or the chain style, you're going to like our pizza. I, I would put a lot of money on that. It's just you got to be open to the idea. It's not going to be maybe your version of what you assume a pizza should look like, taste like. And, uh, yeah, I think at that point we're in a really good position. Mm -hmm. I just The word hate is just so strong. And I think you brought up a great point about personal preferences. like, And, and you brought up steak as well. So, like, if I get a steak, I prefer a medium-rare, well-cooked steak. If I get delivered a medium steak or a medium well steak, no, that's not going to be my personal preference. But will I hate it? Will I, like, refuse to eat it? No. I mean, it's it just, I, I don't know. We, we can get off that topic because it's negative and I don't want to bog this thing down. I want to focus on the positives. But I just, I don't understand those comments. I never will. Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. I love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats, cheeses, and vegetables arrive from. It gives me confidence that I'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand. The same goes for beef, and that's one of the main reasons why I love certified Piedmontese. 
Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by Where Food Comes From Incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. Moving on to positive things, I want to highlight another menu item that I've absolutely fallen in love with, and I never would have even, before I visited, well, that was probably six weeks ago or so, I came in and got to hang out with you guys in the kitchen. I put you to work. Yeah. I didn't even know that you guys had this thing called the Kudaruni, which is a double-crust pizza. We're going to highlight this thing because now... That is, even above the hamburger pizza, when I think of La Casa, that's the first thing that snaps on in my mind because this pizza was so memorable. And I took it home, took some of the leftovers home to my wife, and it immediately stood out to her, too. So I'm just going to open the floor up. Tell me about this pizza. So it's, once again, I mean, we kind of, because we started in 1953 and because we started, you know, with my great-grandfather who immigrated from Sicily, once again, our, our menu is very representative of his culture and what he had come from. So most people in Omaha that are Sicilian uh, immigrated from an area outside of Catania. Uh, it would be Lentini or Carlentini. Um, there's a few other towns in that vicinity. And the Kudaruni or the Gudaruni, so because the translation, you have a C or a G. In Omaha, a lot of the C sound became a G sound. So you could ask people if you went to like, you know, I know Big Fred's, Los Solomios, um, Orsi's, they all have this style of pizza. Once again, because uh, I think a lot of it came from we were producing this pizza. We were the first kid on the block in 1953. And a lot of people in the, in, you know, who were working at these restaurants were Sicilian. So that pizza comes from Lentini. I mean, you can look this up and it it really goes back to culture and heritage. So it's not like this idea we're going to take this dough and we're going to make this real fancy product and we're going to put you know specific ingredients in it and then we're going to go sell it. It was, it was a product that was made in the home or still made in the home in this part of Italy where you use leftovers. You have leftover dough. You have maybe leftover meat, cheese, vegetables. A lot of times it's like broccoli, broccoli rabe, spinach. Um, typically some type of green would go in it along with the meat and some other cheeses. And, I mean, it re- really was It's kind of like, I don't call it a peasant food, but it's a food that was used to re- reuse food that was around in the kitchen. And so our kudaruni is literally goes right back to our origins and right back to a small town outside Lentini where when you look this up online, you can find the origins of this, and that's what it is. I always tell people, you know, when they come in, we have two styles of pizza. We have a thin crust pizza, and then we have a kudaruni. And it's, uh, a, it's a calzone-style pizza for sharing. Because when you say that word, people are like, kudaruni, do I, what, do I want to eat that? It's like, <laughs> what am I going to eat? I always tell people it's a calzone. It's a large calzone-style pizza for sharing. Um, but it's going to be a little different than a calzone because we use our dough. And our dough has that thin flakiness and is crisp. Um, and our dough should be cooked. To that, to that way where it's crisp and darkened. And I think that's another thing we struggle with at times. But that pizza especially, though, when you, when you take our dough and you take that texture of our dough and then you take our hamburger, you take, um, you know, we do a potato and onion. We do, we do a broccoli. We do uh, a variety of, we almost do like a spin on um, a Philly that we have there too. We do a, we call it a fungi pizza too, where it's kind of like, um, kind of like a mushroom Philly. And, we, and you take our, our meats and you, you actually unwrap it in our dough and then you put it in the oven and it comes out. I mean, it is, it is awesome. I mean, it is, if you ask what we're eating in the kitchen, uh, consistently, that's the pizza that at all of our locations, that's what the kitchen uh, crew is going to be eating. And that's what the kitchen crew, when they, they want something, they're going to go to it. And I think that's a pizza that, and I appreciate you highlighting is that I think people in Omaha have been sleeping on, and I think once you come in and try it, I think you're gonna it's gonna blow your mind, and you're gonna be like, "This has been being served in Omaha for you know seventy years, and 
and you never told me about it. But once again, it goes back to our customers. They love coming in and getting what they get, which uh-huh. which is awesome. And sometimes they don't stray, but I mean, this is definitely worth straying from because you're going to add this to, let's say you like your hamburger pizza. You can still get your hamburger pizza. You may just back it up with a medium or a large double crust, mm-hmm. and that's going to be something you have. But they're they're super good. I can confirm, in case you do have your traditional order and you want to add this on, but you're worried about it being too much food, reheats excellently in the air fryer. can confirm that now. But what struck me about this pizza, and I don't know if it's the double application of dough or or what it was, but when I bit into this, it like the dough almost, and you mentioned the word flaky, it is kind of like buttery and flaky. Like It kind of reminded me of like, a biscuit almost, especially on those outer pieces where the oh, yeah. dough is folded over and then crimped. So you're getting a little bit more of that dough. And it's just like, whoa, this it like it's the same dough as you use on your Neapolitan style pizza, but because there's that extra layer of it, it almost like became a new product somehow. And it was fa- I can still remember it right now. Oh yeah. It's it it our dough loves being cooked this way. And I mean the texture of our dough is perfect for this. And I think, you know, one thing, if people are kind of thinking to themselves, what does this look like? I get the calzone thing, but like an empanada, even oh, yeah. in like, you know, um, South American culture, it, it like it kind of has similarities to that. I mean, once again, this goes back to how um, how basic food was and, you know, for many years. And I mean, whether it's in Sicily or whether you're going to Central America, South America, everyone has this adaptation on taking dough taking what's left over, making a pocket out of it, putting it over some heat, and then eating it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, our dough really, really, I mean, it, you know, and there are other kudurunis in town, but, I mean, I think the way our dough works with the toppings, you know, I have to be biased and just say it's my favorite, and I just think our dough really has, you know, it adds that extra layer because, you know, a lot of people are about, you know, how many toppings can I get into this thing? Like, what is it going to look like? And it's like sometimes more is less. And the simplicity of our dough with uh, our toppings, yeah, it, it makes an incredible product. Yes, and I would definitely recommend getting one with the potatoes. That's a pro move. For whatever reasons, potatoes perform excellently in there. Um, I agree. Potatoes. Everyone, go with the potato. <laughs> you can put that on your other pizza, too. Potatoes are an underrated to- uh, topping, I think, in general. But uh, really are. Yeah, they're awesome. So I know that you mentioned when people come into the restaurant and on the rare occasion that they don't know what they want and, and they ask you, you'll, you'll recommend a Kudaruni. So that, that, that's one way to answer uh, the question I'm about to ask here. But as a restaurant owner, how do you kind of change perceptions and get people to start recognizing a particular item? Because I know the Kudaruni is something that I mean, clearly, you can hear it in your voice right now. It's something that you really believe in and something you know that if more people tried it, they would really gravitate towards it and it could really take off. How do you start like just changing perceptions in people's minds and maybe bring this menu item more to the forefront of minds? It's been one of these things. I've been kind of on this crusade with this, t- with this product because when I – I didn't work in this industry until about seven years ago, so – You know, when I had the opportunity to move back to Omaha and and do this project with my dad, uh, we were looking at the menu for opening our new restaurant. And one of the things that, once again, that I thought was something underserved in this community was that pizza. And so if you would have looked at our menu several years ago and you look at, you know, even our menu um, at a how it's evolves it we've kind of moved it to the top of the menu so you know you have some of these marketing schemes where you're like okay how do i bring this to the forefront so you know we traditionally served one or two we serve about six styles right now at our at both of our west stores um our 168th and 82nd and we can build anything you want at our leavenworth store too we just don't have them currently on the menu down there um so i think that's one of the ways too is you know i i think we We've been through this crazy period of time and with COVID and with restaurants, um, and I need to do a better job maybe on social media. <laughs> um, you know, we have some great resources in this town. You know, obviously, your podcast, obviously what you do on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but I think, you know, getting a little more aggressive with our social media as well. I mean, we've been an in- institution in Oma for a long time, and sometimes you forget that you need to do some of these other things. So I think we could do some of that and we're going to do maybe a lunch special with it as well. And that would give people an opportunity and we may do a smaller portion or that would give people an opportunity to come in and sample it on a smaller scale. Um, 
and I think expose them to a pizza that uh, they may want to come back and get a larger scale version of. So, and I think this is helpful, right? Us talking about it. Mm -hmm. So, whatever tiny power this podcast has, people go to La Casa and try a Cudaruni. I think it's going to change your orders moving forward. I know that that's the case for me. Yeah, and if you don't see something exactly how you want it on the menu, we will build and customize anything for you. So, don't be afraid to ask. And uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I really. I really do think it's a product that you're going to like. Um, so we hope you come and order it. <laughs> so you mentioned you got into this business about seven years ago, which is so fascinating because obviously, the, you know, this is a, a family restaurant for you. It's been a part of your life really forever. I, I believe um, you told me you even, you grew up with your grandma and grandpa making dough and making sauces with them. But the restaurant industry was not the path that you took originally. You went to Baylor, and then you actually spent your first 11 years after graduating in the business world. You ran a financial firm in San Francisco prior to coming back to Omaha. What made you, you know, I, I think just the natural thing and probably the expectation that a lot of people had for you growing up was, oh, you're part of the La Casa, you know, family. You're going to grow up and you're going to be in the restaurants like everyone else. What was it, what part of you originally made you say, I want to explore what else is out there? I think that was my father. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think in general, when, you know, he was two years old when the restaurant began. It was really began out of kind of necessity in many ways. And they needed a, an income stream. And my grandmother, who was raising three boys at the time with my great-grandfather, they were trying to just make heads and tails uh after my father's father had passed away, kind of what to do. And I think, you know, they had friends in New York and they had traveled out there to look at kind of pizzerias. And when they did this, um, you know, and it caught on, I think that path, my dad was too, he kind of was always involved in the restaurant. So, you know, fast forwarding to 1980 when I'm born, um, I think from a very young age. And I mean, he worked long hours, he sacrificed a lot. Um, I think it was always, you know, you're going to, you're going to go do other things. You know, if you ever make a decision that this is something you may want to do, um, you know, we can discuss it. And we discussed it for many years, actually. <laughs> um, but I, I think it was something that he wanted. Uh, I think he wants so many different things for your children. And I think one of the things he wanted for me was to go do something else. And, you know, if I ever wanted to be in this business, um, you know, there was an opportunity. So, yeah, it's been, it's a, been a crazy ride. Uh, but I think that's what life's about in many ways. It's like, you know, having different careers, having different passions and getting the opportunity to do this is kind of a career mixed with a passion for me. And I think my wife may say that might be otherwise sometimes when I come home, but <laughs> I do, I truly do feel that way. I mean, I, I am passionate about food. I took cook, I taught cooking classes, uh, in San Francisco, just be, in, in addition to, you know, my day job, I just wanted to be around the food culture. I grew up in it. So, um, even though I may have never worked at the restaurant, it's always been a part of my life. And now that I have the opportunity to do it, it's, uh, and, you know, from a passion and a job perspective perspective and continue uh, a legacy that's been uh, in our family and have been in Omaha. It's just, uh, it's humbling. And I, you know, I'm just grateful to have that opportunity. What was it that finally gave you the push to, to come back and join the La Casa Enterprise full time? Uh, children, um, you know, the Bay area is expensive. And I think you're, I think for a lot of people, um, this is not tied to me personally or my wife. I think you get to a point in your life where you've spent the first 30 years or 35 years in my case, um, really focused on a career, really focused on you. Um, very, from a very selfish standpoint. And, um, you have, you know, you have two kids and I, we had our first daughter in San Francisco and um, you start thinking what type of life you want for your children and what role you're going to play. And uh, my wife was pretty influential in that. Um, and we had long conversations and, you know, we thought it was time to evaluate leaving the Bay area. And uh, she asked me what I would do if I didn't uh, work in finance anymore, or if I wanted to retire, what would I do? Like, you know, these hypotheticals, like, what would you do if you could do anything you want to do? And it was like, well, I'd open a pizzeria. And so, you know, that's when the conversations became much more serious with, with my father and uh, talking about put the potential of doing it. And uh, yeah. So I think kids life, you mature, uh, you try to value um, 
things different than just, you know, the almighty dollar. And, you know, you, you try to figure out how to balance maybe passion and your family and, and work all at once. And this allowed me probably to have the closest of all three of those in balance than that I could have. So I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. So now, like you mentioned, you were never not a part of the restaurant or not a part of cooking. This is something that was always a part of your life. But it was the first time that you were really stepping into it professionally. And this this was your career now. What kind of crash course did you have to put yourself through to to jump into the restaurant industry full time? Luckily, I had a good mentor, my father. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's if you would know my dad or you would know our family, um, you know, I, I, the crash course was really simple for him. He's like, day one, you're going to start as a busser. You're going to start in the dish room. You're going to, and, and I still bus and I still do dishes. And, you know, I, I can still, confirm this. Yeah. I've seen it. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, so I think the crash course was, I'm just saying, listen, this, I think there's this mis, misnomer that this industry is extremely sexy and this industry is super cool. But in the end, this industry is, is hard and you better understand the hard stuff and the stuff that you may not want to do. Um, and you're going to have to spend a lot of time doing those things in this industry. So that crash course was, and now my dad's saying, listen, it's, we're a small family business. There's no shortcuts in life, you know, be prepared to, you know, wear many hats every day. And, uh, I think, you know, when you start, you know, and that's just the way I was raised. So I think, you know, a credit to my parents, I knew coming into this as a profession, um, a lot of the things that were going to be required and, uh, the crash course was, you know, my dad being pretty much uh, my boss telling me, you know, you're hired kid and now go clean some toilets and you'll work your way through different things. And, you know, everything's just kind of snowballed from there. But it's, yeah, it's as much as I was in the industry, like around the industry growing up, it's a whole different ball game working in it. And then you look at the last five years, what we've gone through. Uh, it's always you're learning on the fly. What was the most surprising thing uh, that maybe you thought you knew about the restaurant industry coming in, and then once you actually started working it, you're like, oh, I was wrong about this. I'm wrong about a lot of things, so, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of those. But uh, I think the one thing is, you know, I, spending so much time, we were in Dal the Dallas area for a while, and then we were in the Bay Area for over, a little over a decade. And, you know, Dallas was an area where the food scene was growing in the early 2000s, and then... You know, living in the Bay Area, like, I always think of it as, like, the Food Network bomb that went off. Like, just America woke up to, like, these, you know, one, the syndication of that of Food Network and all the, you know, the, the shows they were doing in the reality television uh, was growing at that time. It gave this huge platform. So, you know, I think I had this huge appreciation from food and coming out of the barrier where everything was sourced locally and everyone was very much, uh, I think you had a large population of people out there that cared about the craft of food. Um, and, and then moving back to Omaha, you know, I think it's been a learning curve to try to understand that some people just want it the way they want it. Um, and our, the food scene here has blown up and it's, and I mean, it is amazing what's going on in this city, but you know, what I think is good or what I think, you know, should be adopted in Omaha or the things I've learned, uh, you know, from the Bay Area that I've tried to bring, you know, maybe some influence to, you know, I, I think I, it takes time. You know, we, we, when we opened our store on 168th, we brought a lot of different products in from Italy, from tomatoes to salts to, you know, dried beans to um, olive oils and really, really high-end stuff. And a lot of the chefs in town actually, um, you know, order you know, my brother-in-law, Ben Maids, runs uh, Au Courant. And so, like, we'll put orders in and we'll bring these products in. And a variety of chefs in Omaha will use the product. And I had these amazing products that were sitting on my retail shelves that nobody wanted. And, you know, that is kind of like some other things. Like, in general, it's like you can want people to want things or you may want to introduce people to certain things. But... um you got to learn your customers and you got to understand what they want. And then you have to slowly, um, I think bridge the history of our product with, you know, the evolution of, of this market. So I think that's the hard part is that, you know, trying to figure out, 
you know, day to day, month to month, year to year, taking a product that's been incredibly relevant and, you know, our restaurants are, do very well, but it's like, how do we continue to evolve to meet this food scene need? The psychology behind the Midwest food scene is just so interesting to me. And I hear it time and time again from restaurant owners. There are certain items on the menu that they say, keep the lights on. And then there are the items that they're really passionate about. Like just one example is at Indian restaurants, like butter chicken and chicken tikka masala. Those are the two top sellers at basically any Indian restaurant, especially in the Midwest. And yet it's the biryanis, it's the the vindaloos, it's the different stews and curries. That's the stuff that chefs get really excited about. But the for whatever reason, and I'm just going to use Omaha in this case, but really the Midwest in general is slower to adopt those dishes. They have to, it takes time for whatever reason for, for them to kind of branch out and try something new. So as someone who's lived in, you know, these other cities that are very, you know, San Francisco is a very fast adopter. If there's a new cuisine out there, people want to get out and try it. Just why do you think that is? Why do you think there's that, that gap and that makes Omaha kind of, I don't want to say slow to adopt, but just not as quick maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, Literally, these are conversations that I will lay in bed and I'll ask my wife these questions. Or like, <laughs> we talk about this, you know, uh, when I'm having dinner with my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law and like, you know, people in the industry will talk about these things when we get together and have drinks. And, you know, it's funny. This is kind of the way I think about it. I think about going to Christmas or I think about going to like Thanksgiving or a, a, let's just say a big holiday with your family. Now, if you were to not allocate who's bringing what, you could pretty much guarantee of the 20 people that come, you're going to get probably five dishes. Like, if you did not tell someone they were responsible for this or this, I bet you would get the same dishes produced by the same people. And right. I think a lot of it goes back to it's, you know, the Midwest has always had this very, and, and and it has shades of the South maybe, and the South probably would disagree with this, but follow me here with this, is that there's a lot of comfort in the food that's that's produced here. And so I think a lot of that is, people have grown up eating pretty much consistent, like a consistent meal. You know, there was steak on the table, there was chicken on the table. There was always a protein, right? And then that was, it was a serve. There was a star. There was a, star. a vegetable. There was a vegetable. Yep. And then often that vegetable, and this is just the case for, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I mean, post-World War II, vegetables ended up in a can somehow. And, you know, they lived there for 30, 35 years. And not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, there's a place for that. There definitely is. But my point is that I think people ate the same product, right, over and over. So I think that's that's the hard part about the Midwest is that we're very much, you know, um, very comfortable with our comfort food. And then when you step outside of that, um, I think that's the issue. And then really, I think the bigger, uh, maybe even a bigger issue is you think about our growing seasons here, and then you think about our capability of what we can grow uh, in this corridor of the country. I mean, we're growing commodity type products here, right? Commodities drive the markets um, where you go, you know, especially the West Coast or you go to the South where they have much more extended periods of time. They have access to different styles of food because it grows in those climates. So we are not only hamstrung by the sheer nature of being comfortable people, we're also hamstrung based on our growing seasons and what we can grow. And so I think, uh, you know, that's a big piece. So, you know, fish is not huge here, right? We just don't have it. I mean, yeah, I guess we could have some catfish and carp, which are, are great, right? They're great. Um, but, you know, seafood um, and fresh vegetables and fruits that you can have – a day or two from a field, we just don't have access to that. So I think that kind of just lends itself to being, you know, a very limited menu. And then within that menu, people have those comforts and they, you know, really gravitate towards that. So, yeah. And to be clear, I'm not trying to, obviously I love Omaha. I'm not trying to hammer Omaha and be like, Oh, we're stuck in our ways. We're stuck in the mud. We don't want to try new things. I don't believe that's true. I think if you I look, don't either, I think if you look at the last five to 10 years, the Omaha food scene has just blown up. It's not just steakhouses and burgers anymore. You've got tasting menus. You've got all kinds of sushi concepts. I mean, there's, you know, fast, casual Italian. There's all kinds of different things out there that you wouldn't have seen even 10, 15 years ago. So I, I think that Omaha has an appetite for new things, especially in food. It just, as a community, it takes us a little bit of time to get the ball rolling 
And and I think, like you said, there are just some geographical factors that, that come into it as well. So there are some reasons behind it, but I do I do applaud Omaha for for opening up and trying new things because I do think that there's a movement that's happening and it's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, there's awesome stuff going on in this town. And I mean, like, and I think the thing is, like, especially with your podcast, what you do on social media uh, with, you know, Omaha Food Lovers with, uh, you know, there's so many different groups now that really lend credence to what people are doing and give them a platform and I think you have a population too. Uh, the younger population wants different things than they used to. Um, you know, I think you have a lot of people, maybe like myself, where you've left Omaha for an extended period of time and you gravitate back. And especially in the food scene, you look at some of the people who are doing food in the city. A lot of them have gone off and done some other things. They've cooked in other cities. Um, they've got other influences. And, you know, for one reason or another, Omaha draws people back. And it gives, you know, a lot of these restaurateurs an economical place to go try things. And I think, yeah, like in the last 10 years, I mean, the food scene here is incredible. Um, and it's just getting better. What I'm just really interested as as someone who's been out and seen – what other food scenes look like when you look at Omaha's food scene, what, what do you think are the strengths here? Like what, what defines if you were to, if you if like a friend from San Francisco asked you, okay, you've been in Omaha, you know, for seven years now, how would you describe that food scene or how would you define it? What would you say? I'd say it's burgeoning. I mean, it's one of these, it's, it, I think it's been inventing and reinventing itself like literally over the last 10 years because there have been some really good restaurants that have started and closed in that 10-year period that you know we're referencing here. And then you've had some restaurants that have been able to hang on. And then there's refer- restaurants that uh, you know that have uh, you know been around for a long time that have been able to weather this. So I would say it's burgeoning, meaning like you're you look at some of the food hall concepts, right? It, it look at the and I think another big thing in this town that it really has driven it is food trucks. And I think, you know, the Bay Area really had a big food truck scene. Portland area had a big food truck scene. But Omaha does a pretty good job with that. And it really gives people the ability for not a lot of money, not a lot of risk, to take a concept, try that concept out. And a lot of these concepts are cool concepts where it's not like, you know, you're not going to just go invest in a brick and mortar and put all that money in. But they can take these cool concepts and then test them out and then figure out how to transition that into a, you know, a larger scale business model. But, you know, I would, you know, I would do that type of tour with them where I'd say, let's go hit some food trucks. Let's go to South Omaha. Let's go eat some tacos in South Omaha. Um, And then, you know, you have some of these great places like a Modern Love, which has been around for a long time that does a lot of cool things with, you know, which, you know, and Omaha's done a great job rallying around a concept like that. We're vegan in Omaha, you know. (laughs) And, yeah, steak and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, it, there's something for everyone. And I think the other thing about the Omaha food scene, it's really unpretentious. So, like, I think just like the people here, we gravitate more towards, once again, that comfort style or something, you know, maybe no nonsense in food. Um, and so I think there's a lot of places out there at a reasonable price point, too, that you can go get um, a really good meal at. So what I'm about to say is going to sound really odd, but it kind of came into my head as you were talking about all these food trucks, pop-ups, you know, kind of these smaller concepts that are able to, or or smaller restaurants or ideas that are able to test out a concept in the Omaha market is I think in a way COVID almost, COVID is terrible in every way, but there was almost a small benefit in that I think there were a lot of people who worked in restaurants and had a lot of talent and had some ideas, but didn't get a chance to, um, didn't get a chance to really execute on those because they were so busy in day-to-day life. And when things basically got shut down during COVID, the number of pop-ups that we saw just exploded. And I can think of a couple off the top of my head, places like Nice Rolls or Little V's, which is now in the Switch food. I mean, that that started off as a dude selling vegan food out of his house, vegan tacos out of his house. And now he's in the Switch and he's looking for a brick and mortar. Like, Stuff like that, I think that like empowering those people and seeing them get an opportunity at a lower entry point or a lower cost of entry, I think is really helpful in just helping people 
see what other options are out there. I agree. And, and like to your point, like nice rolls or little V or I mean, some of these like where it's more ethnic style foods too, where I don't think there may have been an appetite for that 10 or 15 years ago. And, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's like, I think people are craving something different in this town. And I think that's why these, you know, like you said, these, these pop-ups or the trucks, it's like you, you check social media all the time and everyone's like looking to be the next person to discover this next crazy food item from, yep. you know, and everyone's like, you should go try this. But you know, there's some beauty in that because to your point with COVID, uh, I think a lot of people, and maybe you had a day-to-day job, maybe you worked at a desk. A lot of people kind of reevaluated their life too in that period of time and said, do I want to sit in an office? Do I need X amount of dollars? Maybe I don't. Maybe I can try a passion project and maybe I can start baking out of my house or making, you know, uh, rolls out of my house or whatever it would be. And it gave people kind of that courage because no one else, you weren't in an office. No one else was in an office. So it's like, well, I could try something else. Uh-huh. And you didn't feel like you were, you know, not going to work because no one was at work. <laughs> well, I think, and as we wrap up here, I think this is a, this is a nice kind of bookend on our conversation in that, like, there, there still are really established restaurants in Omaha that have been here for 60, 70 years. And La Casa is one of those. And, and those are fantastic. But Omaha is also developing an appetite for these new concepts and new cuisines. And I think the same thing, like those two things can both exist and both be amazing and and can both be supported in the same community. And I think you see that in your very restaurant. Like there are the classic pizzas. There's the hamburger pizza that people can be perfectly happy with. But there's also the kudaruni. There's also the onion rings. There's also the pasta. You guys make an excellent meatball pasta that... I didn't know about before I came in and visited recently. So I think just having that open mind, there's there's just an opportunity to to both at the same time love your classics and also find new loves too because there's just so much goodness out there. I completely agree. I, I sometimes think, you know, we had this conversation in the kitchen. Uh, well, we've been talking about this really over the last five to six months just about, you know, how do we potentially, you know, introduce some of these products? And to your point, it's like, you know, there's a lot of new stuff out there. And even though we've been around for six years, there's a lot of new things. They're not new on our menu necessarily, but they're going to be new to you. or They're going to be new to someone who's, you know, never looked at our menu. Once again, 90% of the people don't even need a menu. But there's a, it's so beautiful and there's a beauty to that. But on the flip side, um, you know, I always I challenge people. If you, if you haven't been to La Casa or, you, you know, a lot of people say, I've been once, I didn't like it. The cheese smelled like stinky feet. <laughs> You know, that's always that comment, too. It becomes polarizing. But it's like, come get the mozzarella cheese, and then we'll give you some Romano to put on top of your pizza. Or come get the Kudaruni. You don't have to be like everyone else, or you don't have to eat the hamburger pizza. Ask us to make you something. Have our margarita. Um, So I think there is an opportunity, you know, like we're talking about all these new concepts, and then you have these old restaurants. There's a lot of stuff on our menu that I think people should give a try and uh, I think they're going to be blown away because they're like, you've been doing this for how long? 70 years? And that's the first time I've had it. And it's like, yeah. And uh, for those who know, they know. And now all you know. Uh, last question before I get you out of here. You know, this this restaurant has been a part of you your entire life. Um, you know, you, you grew up cooking with grandma and grandpa. You talked about all these conversations you've had with your father about uh, continuing the business. And now that you're a part of it and you're, you're fully integrated and you're helping continue the legacy of La Casa and, and growing it into something new, exposing it to West Omaha, a, a new market and talking about these new menu items. Like how special and how important is that to you to, to take this legacy and be entrusted with it and be able to continue to grow it and move it forward? I mean, it's, it's super important. And, you know, I think one, it's kind of a labor of love. Um, it's, you know, from a family perspective, it's, you know, something obviously, once again, that my great-grandfather immigrated from uh, Sicily, and he was a carpenter. He was a very good carpenter. He actually did most of the carpentry work in a lot of the old Italian restaurants and restaurants in around town, and I think that was kind of why he was so comfortable starting one. So, you know, it's that legacy of being able to, you know, feel that attachment to your history, to your culture, um, and then, you know, to the city of Omaha. I mean, for... I, it, 
I was talking to uh, someone with the Omaha World Herald the other day, and they were helping me just get together articles that we've done, they've done over time. And it's like to to see the sheer volume that's been written around the about the restaurant. I feel like there is it's really important for this city to try to be uh, the best we can be moving forward, introduce new things because there's been a lot of people that have come through those doors and have supported us for 70 years. Uh, I, we want to continue to do that and we want to continue to do it at a high level. And when so many of the old school restaurants have, you know, decided to close doors for whatever reasons that, you know, they are, I mean, I want us to continue to thrive. And I don't think that conversation is anywhere in our future at this point. And that's, that's a really cool thing for us. And, we, I just want to say thank you to everyone for doing for coming out and seeing us too. During COVID, everyone was super cool and great, and we had you know we were able you know pizza lent itself to be a good product, so we were very fortunate at that time. But people had a lot of choices then. People have a lot of choices today. Um, so thank you to everyone for allowing us to do this, and we'll keep doing it as long as you keep coming and seeing us. All right, that, there's no better way to to sum it up than that. Uh, people, get out to La Casa. If you want to get the hamburger, fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's an excellent pizza, but get a Cuda Rooney. Yeah. Just, just try one. Trust me. Just try it, and it, it will be an addition on your order from now on. So, uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This was an awesome conversation. I loved every second of it. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. And thanks to everyone in Omaha. Come eat some pizza. All right, Cuda Rooney. <laughs> Come eat some pizza, Omaha. As always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.